You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Amen. We just had a a very busy week. I shared that with you this morning. But also included in that week, this past week, was our preview weekend at Northeast Christian College. And we had some of our young people go. And they also took in a service on Friday night, which was a rally for our youth department, for our district. And I've heard some great reports about that service. And... um, some people going way, way past what normal church would be, amen, and just having an incredible move of God, and I thank God for that happening at CCC. And this past weekend, we were blessed to have with us Brother Romani, and he's the youth president from uh, Ontario, and he's preached in this church before at one of our rallies, and um, so we're, he was, he was in, in town for our preview weekend, and so I said, he's not going to come and not come to this church. And so, Brother Armani, we love and appreciate you, brother. He's from Ottawa, Ontario. Would you welcome him and let him uh, minister the word of the Lord tonight? Brother Armani, come and minister what God's got on your heart. Amen. God bless you, brother. Can we clap our hands to Jesus for a few moments here? Amen. If you could please stand with me for the next few moments. I'm going to read from... The Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 21 to 27. Who's glad to be at church here on this Sunday night? I'm, as I said, I am from Ottawa, Ontario. I know it's a, a very undercover city in Canada, so uh, many of you have never heard of it. But uh, it's great to be here uh, tonight. I give honor to your pastor, Pastor Carter and Sister Carter. Can we give them a round of applause for their leadership? and Not just here, but as well in the district of the Atlantic District. And every time I've met him, he's been so kind uh, to me as well at this church. I got a friend who I grew up with at camp, Landon, Landon Brooks. It's great to see him there at the back. We grew up. I don't know why he moved from here to come to New Brunswick. He says this is because it's the best. I don't know about that, but to keep at peace, I'll say sure. It's the best, I guess. And uh, so it's great to see him as well. And as well, two friends, Justin and Marcus, who came with me here from CCC. Thanks for them for the ride. and it's a Great time. Who's excited to get into the word of the Lord tonight? Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 27. The Bible says, and they went, Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. The Bible says as, as he went there, the, the people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. And in the midst of that, the Bible says that suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? 
I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But the Bible says, as this took place, but Jesus reprimanded him and he said, be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. In the last verse, the Bible says, at that the evil man screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. For the next few moments this evening, I would like to talk to you from, from this thought, and I, it's not just a thought, I really feel it in the house tonight, that deliverance is in the house. Deliverance. Can we clap our hands to Jesus? Deliverance is in the house. I, I don't know what that might mean to you or to the person beside you, but could you close your eyes and just pray with me for the next few moments? Could we just pray together in the Holy Ghost for the next few moments? Let's lift up our voices together. God, thank you to be at the service tonight. Nobody's here by accident or by chance. God, speak to us. God, speak to us through your word. God, speak to my heart. Speak to my mind. Speak to everybody's heart and mind that's in this service tonight. That there would be an unction of your spirit that flows all across this house tonight. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Deliverance is a concept that is throughout the Bible. Uh, everywhere you go in the Word of God, you, you find God having to deliver or interfere in certain circumstances. Uh, usually what takes place is uh, human beings are busy wrapping themselves into decisions that are contradictory to his will or plan and purpose. And this is what gets them wrapped up into circumstances. But these circumstances is what allows God to step in and set free and deliver people's lives forever. We find it time and time again, people who find themselves in situations, even maybe in your own life, that you know of people who, who made the wrong choices and, and allowed maybe the wrong things and vices to get into their lives. And, and all of a sudden, a free person becomes a bound person. And it can happen very quickly. Uh, the Bible says the devil's desire, John 10.10, is to steal, to to kill and to destroy. He, he has a goal. He wants to wreck our lives and wrap us up into things that, that get us bound. The, the, one of the major incidences in the Bible we find um, in the book of Exodus when his own people were in slavery in the nation of Israel. They were slaves for at least 400 years. They were bondage. They were in bondage for a long time. They had been whipped and flogged and persecuted. And they were oppressed and they were slaves to Egypt. Egypt being the most powerful nation in the entire world. The most powerful kingdom at that time. Empire you could even say. But, but they were bound, the Israelites in this nation. But, but one day God decided that it was time. And can I tell you this evening, it did not matter how long they had been slaves. It did not matter that four centuries had passed by. When God decided it was time, when deliverance came into the nation of Egypt, it did not matter how long what Egypt thought or what Pharaoh thought, but God had the final say and deliverance showed up in the nation 
of Egypt. Deliverance. It's people in the Bible, we find them like Jacob who've got past lives of, of lying and being a deceiver and uh, he's so image conscious. I, he, he knows uh, what to say depending which crowd he's with. He's so good at deceiving, he deceives his own father and his own brother. I make this joke sometimes and it may be more true in Ottawa, I don't know, but I say I think Jacob would have been a great politician in 2023. Maybe I shouldn't say that in St. John. I don't know, but in Ottawa, let me tell you, that, that rings true. He would win. He knows what to say, depending which crowd he was in. But, but one day he had a wrestling match with an angel, and it didn't matter about how messed up his past was. It, it didn't matter at all the mistakes he, met, he had made in the past. When God decided that deliverance was going to come into his life, a, a liar named Jacob became a man named Israel. Because when God steps into your circumstance, he can change your reputation. He can change your past. He can make all things new. In the New Testament, we find the same common theme. Jesus, when he would walk the earth for three years in his ministry, 30 years, 33 years in total, but three years in his ministry, when he walked the earth, he would step into people's lives. And when he would step into their lives, deliverance would show up. There, there's a woman in the Bible, the, she has... Uh, a blood condition. The Bible says for 12 long years she's sick in her body. She's got a condition that has her bound. But, but the Bible says that when she touches the hem of his garment, all of a sudden her, her blood is made new. Because there's no sickness that is more powerful than the delivering, healing power of the God we serve. There, there's, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost this evening. There, there's a man named Bartimaeus who's blind on the road to Jericho. And, and the Bible says that, that one day Jesus was passing by. And there were people, there were some religious folk who were trying to keep him from Jesus. But he was so hungry for a miracle and his deliverance. He cried a bit louder. And, and when he got in front of Jesus, his sight was restored. We find tax collectors. Becoming disciples. We find a man later on in the New Testament named Saul who was literally a Christian terrorist. But when Jesus stepped into the scene, he delivered him for good. Well, tonight I'm here to, to, to speak because while it's good to retell stories of the delivering power of God in the Old Testament... And the delivering power of God in the written word in the New Testament. Tonight, can I tell you what is amazing about our Jesus and what I feel for someone here tonight. Maybe a circumstance that's outside of your control. Can I tell you here tonight, and I know many of us know it, but I just came to remind us tonight to tell you that the delivering power of God was not just for the Old Testament. And it's not just for the written word in the New Testament. But what distinguishes people who've been blood, blood, and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost is you know that deliverance by the power of His his word and the authority of his name can still take place today. 
Yeah, it, it just takes one moment with Jesus. It doesn't matter if it's a cancer or a tumor. It doesn't matter if it's diabetes. It doesn't matter if it's an addiction to drugs or what substance or alcohol or pornography. One moment in the presence of Jesus can deliver everything in your life. The Bible would just say that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. This is something that is the core of who I am, of seeing the hand of God deliver people and set them free from things. I, long story short, I won't be long in sharing this, but for me personally, I, I was so hungry to begin to see this in action. I, I remember I, I, at a Bible club I began in my high school several years ago now, I was just so hungry to tell people that there was an answer that goes beyond this world. And so I remember I picked up my Bible. I went to my high school at the time just wanting to try to share Jesus with my peers. I, I remember it was three friends of mine. One of them was one who had gone to an apostolic church growing up. One of them was a, a goes to a few other churches in the city where I lived in Ottawa. And I'll never forget, I, I picked up my Bible and getting ready to teach a Bible study, and can I just make a confession on this Sunday night that that Bible study was terrible. It was so bad. I mean, one of them was literally, I was, I shared this before somewhere else, and I was, I think I was starting at the book of Genesis, Genesis 1, and I, in the beginning God created, right? He created the heavens and the earth, and I known it growing up, but now it was time to share it for, for, for a reason I don't know why the words were escaping off the book. I couldn't even know what I was reading anymore. And I was talking to them. And as I kept going, I was so in deep in the lesson and talking about how God did this. And when I looked up, one of my friends was like, like, well, deliverance is in this house. Amen. This this is going to happen. It's going to happen. But but, but I was just so convinced. I I was convinced that deliverance could take place. I, I would to my mentor, I would go speak to him, Pastor Kelvin Shaw, I'd say, hey, I, I'm trying to begin to teach Bible studies. He was giving me information on how to share my faith with people and instruct me on how to do it. So I would take what I would learn, but I was just so hungry. I would spend time in prayer. I was just so hungry because I really believe that, that when the Spirit of God begins to encounter people's lives, it can change absolutely everything. And God honored that act of faith, and we, we turned that high school upside down down. We, we had students coming into our chapel room at our Catholic high school. We didn't have enough chairs to fit all the students that were coming into the room. We had over 80 people in attendance. There were people who were sitting on the carpets because they were so hungry to have an encounter with this delivering Jesus. Teachers were coming into the room and they'd be weeping down their face as we would be calling on this name that we call Jesus. And I'd begin to pray the prayer of faith in those meetings and people would be seeing miracles and God setting them free we had people I mean only God could do this we had the yearbook committee kids and the drug using kids in the same room during the lunch hour time in high school the school administration could not understand how this could take place. So they were curious. So they would step into the room. Our vice principal would come into the room. Teachers would come into the room. Can I tell you what was taking place? Was when the delivering power of that kingdom matches the natural world of this kingdom. All of a sudden something begins to happen. The atmosphere doesn't stay the same. Things can change. 
forever. There was one student I'll never forget. His name is Ricky Perkins. He was, he was what I call a CEO Christian. Christmas, Easter only. There's a lot of them in Ottawa. Pray for us. But he knew that's what he knew about God. Christmas and Easter. But he was so hungry he would attend these Bible study meetings. And one day in the meeting I told every student to lift up their hands and teachers to lift up their hands. And teachers began to lift up their hands. Students were lifting up their hands. I said, we're going to pray the prayer of faith in this place. And I began to pray. I was explaining everything to them. And all of a sudden Ricky came up to me after, a few days after. He said, Amani, I need to tell you something. I said, what? He said, I, I, you know, I grew up in a Catholic family. We went to church once or twice a year. He said, but, but I need to tell you something amazing. He said, my grandfather was in the intensive care unit with Namani. He was about to lose his life. He said, but when we begin to pray in this Bible study meeting, and when we begin to call on the name of Jesus Christ, he said, a few days later, I got the report that my grandfather's out of the ICU. His pneumonia is completely gone. He's completely healed. He said, now I believe that God is trying to do something in my life. Can I talk to someone here tonight? That I was someone who did not even know the Jesus that I'm preaching about to the way that some of us in this room know him. So can I tell you tonight that if he can call on him and he meets him right where he is, I can tell you tonight there's enough faith in this place for cancers to fall off, for tumors to dry up, for God to show his power. In a way, uh, I've never seen him before. Some will say deliverance in the house. And so picks us up to this text in Mark chapter 1. It's an interesting story. Jesus is, is going to the synagogue to teach the word to the people on the Sabbath day. He, it's amazing because Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John all have different perspectives on this Jesus story. Matthew is begins his gospel a bit differently than Mark, Luke, and John. He begins it by letting us know that Jesus, he begins it with a genealogy, tracing it back to Abraham. He's doing this because his intended audience was the Jewish people. And he's trying to let the Jewish people understand that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. John starts his gospel different than Matthew. He, he starts it by letting us know that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and, and the word was God. He's doing this because he wants his audience to understand that Jesus was not just a man, but he was God manifested in the flesh. Luke begins his gospel differently than the two. He, he gives us the background story to the birth of John the Baptist and the birth of, of Jesus Christ. But, but Mark starts his gospel, it's the shortest of the, of, the, of the four, and historians believe he was written the first. Mark doesn't give us a genealogy like Matthew, and 
He doesn't give us a background story like Luke. And he doesn't even give us a theology lesson like John. No. By the 21st verse of his gospel, we jump into the story. He gets right to the point. If you look throughout the gospel of Mark, you'll see the word immediately used more than the other three gospels. He's talking about this Jesus with authority. But by the 21st verse, we are introduced to the ministry of Jesus Christ. What it lets me know about Mark and what he's writing and me reading is that you don't have to know everything about Jesus to have an encounter with him. You don't have to understand the genealogy and the background story and have all the theology right for him to do something in your life. You don't have to have the prerequisites down or licensed for God to do something with your life. But can I tell you on this Sunday night that it doesn't matter about your family background. It doesn't matter how messed up your family was. It doesn't matter how much you know about the Bible, how much less you know about the Bible. Can I tell you tonight that when Jesus is in the the house. He doesn't have a prerequisite. He doesn't discriminate. He doesn't pick favorites. He just reaches right down and says, I'm going to show you my power. He doesn't have favorites. And so in the story, if you put up verse 21, the Bible says that when they go to the town of Capernaum, the Sabbath day comes and, and he goes teach. Verse 22 says, but the people that were there were amazed at his teaching. It was the custom of the day on the Sabbath day for people to come together to hear the word of God. In fact, if you read more about the Sabbath day and the custom of the day, anybody could come and actually stand up and share the word of God. But this Sabbath session was going to be different than the others that had passed. It wasn't just anybody sharing the word of God. It was the word himself testifying about himself. And the Bible says that as he's there, the people, in verse 22, the crowd, not his disciples, the crowd that didn't really know him much, they were amazed. They were amazed because they had seen teaching before. They had done the ritual of religion before. But this man was different than the rest that they had experienced. He taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. It lets me know that the people of this world, they can recognize the difference between dead religion and authentic relationship. And they realize when something powerful steps in the room, it transcends their understanding. Several months ago, I was on a trip and I had an issue with my uh, outlet charger that I was using. And so I went to the the lobby at the hotel I was staying at. And I went to the man. I said, hello, uh, what's your name? He said, my name is Manoj. I said, Manoj, I'm dealing with this problem in my room. I don't know exactly what it is. He said, don't worry. I'll, I'll, he said, you can borrow my charger. I said, well, thank you. You're a kind man, Manoj. But then he said, I'll, I'll come to your room to make sure it works well. And I thought, well, I didn't ask for that. But uh, sure, come by, come by. He comes into my room and he looks 
And he says, well, here is the problem. You had the wrong charger for the socket. And I starts explaining these things. And I said, thank you, Minaj. All of a sudden, as I begin to continue to talk to him, I noticed he had a wristband on his wrist. And I understood with my experiences with people that that meant he was a part of the Sikh religion. So I looked at him. I said, Minaj, what does that wristband signify? He said, I'm a part of the Sikh religion. I go to the temple to pray. I said, wow, that's cool. He said, he said what faith do you believe in? Do you believe in God? I said, yeah. I said, I, I'm actually a Christian. I, I believe in Jesus. I said, have you heard of Jesus before? He looked back at me and said, yeah. He said, Jesus is one of many gods that I believe in. I believe in many gods, and Jesus is one of those gods I believe in. I said, well, Manaj, I said, I tell you, we have one thing in common. We both believe in Jesus but we have a bit of a difference. I believe he's the only true God. He looked at me, he said, okay. He was pretty open. I said, Minaj, I said, would you want to have a miracle from Jesus? He looked at me, he said, actually, I would love to have a miracle from Jesus. I said, what do you want to pray to Jesus for? He said, could we pray to him for a financial miracle? I said, sure, we, we can, let's pray for that. We prayed together in the room. And I prayed. I said, God, I pray for Minaj, and I pray that you would move in his finances in Jesus' name. And I thought it was over. I said, amen. When he opened up his eyes, he looked at me with amazement. I said, Minaj, what's wrong? He was frozen. It was like a movie. I don't know what happened. Like, he put paws on it. He had frozen. I said, Minaj, what's wrong? He said, he said, look at my arms. He was pointing to his arms. He said, I feel goosebumps all over my arms. He said, look at my face. He was holding his face. He said, I feel goosebumps all over my face. He said, I feel, he said, this was his words. He said, I feel Jesus all around me. It's like he stepped inside this room. I said, Minaj, have you ever felt anything like this going to the temple? He said, no, I've never felt anything like this. He said, and now I have to tell you a story. He said, 20 days ago, somebody forgot their Bible in a hotel room. I have never opened up a Bible a day in my life. He said, but this day, I opened up the Bible. He said, and when I opened up the Bible... He, this is what's his story. He said, a light came through the window and shone in my eyes. And he said, I lost my sight for a couple of minutes. He said, I didn't tell anybody the story, not even my wife, because I thought she would think I'm crazy. He said, but 20 days later, I'm meeting someone who says they know Jesus, and they're a preacher of this Jesus, and we do this prayer. He said, maybe this Jesus is trying to get my attention. Can I tell you on this Sunday night, that was somebody who doesn't know about this Jesus. You could call him a pagan in his belief systems. But can I tell you when Jesus, he steps into the room, something begins to happen that goes beyond this world. It goes beyond this world. I've never seen someone receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and look at me and say later on, I wish I never had that experience before. Or get baptized and say, that's the worst thing that could have happened to me today. Time and time again, I always hear people say, this is the greatest thing that could have ever happened to me. Because when his world 
collides with our world, something begins to happen. Let's pray for a moment. I'm, I'm not done, but let's just pray for just a moment here tonight. Let's just pray. Let's just pray. Ah. Ha. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh. God, you know everybody who's in the room tonight. You know every need that's represented tonight. God, speak to somebody's heart. Oh. So in this story, in this story, the man, verse 23, as Jesus, all this is taking place, the Bible says that suddenly there was a man in the synagogue, I want to talk for the next few moments here tonight. Who, who was possessed by an evil spirit. He, I don't know his name. The text never tells us. I don't know how this happened to him. The text never tells us. I don't know if that was his first incident in being in the synagogue. I, I don't think that's likely. He may have been a regular. I do not know. But all we know is that he showed up to the right place, but he was possessed. He was bound with a devil. You have people who, who are on different extremes when it comes to this topic. Some people who think everything is a devil and everything that goes wrong, a demon did something. When it's really just life and circumstances that take place, and you have people on the other side who don't think that there's any spiritual influence to any of this, that we're just like, there's no attacks from the enemy, and the enemy is not waging war against us, and there's no, I'm on neither extreme, but I do know this, that there are influences of the enemy in our culture right now. And I do know this, that if you allow the enemy time enough and enough space enough, if you're not careful, if you give him space enough, I know that the enemy can wreck people's lives and bind them up and where you can be so bound and be a slave. But I also know here tonight that maybe you're here on the Sunday night service and you may not be possessed with the devil. So you say, that's not me in the text. But you know what it feels like. To feel bound. Ah. By a situation that's outside of your control. Bound. You're in church tonight. But if you're honest, you got something that's happened in your family that makes you feel bound. Feel the Holy Ghost tonight. I'm, I'm just going to talk if that's okay for, till I get to the conclusion of the sermon. You, you, something happened 
Maybe you've got a child that's causing havoc in your home and it makes you feel bound. Maybe you're dealing with something, maybe a PTSD of something that happened to you and you're dealing with so much mental stress and you're here today in service and we sang the songs we sang. But if we were to ask you really and to go through a conversation, if we just get honest for a moment, you would say, that's me tonight. I'm in God's house, but I feel bound. I don't even feel like myself. Maybe somebody betrayed you. Maybe the wounds of your past are holding you prisoner for your future. Maybe it was the loss of a family member that has changed everything about you. Because look at verse 24. The Bible says that the man said this, why are you interfering with us? Jesus of Nazareth. Now here's what's so amazing about the text. Here is this man speaking, but that's not his words. The spirits were speaking for him. He had become so much a prisoner that it changed how he talked. And tonight, you may be here in a circumstance that has changed how you talk. And it's changed what you say about yourself. Before you were full of optimism and faith and belief. But tonight, everything that comes out of your mouth is pessimistic and negative. Believing nothing good can come out of your circumstance or your situation. But can I tell you tonight that it matters what you say to yourself. And it matters what comes out of your mouth. The Bible says that the life and death is in the power of the tongue. We have the ability to speak death or life upon a circumstance or to live in a state of constant hopelessness, believing that nothing will ever get better. And the enemy's greatest asset and plan is to be able to get you to a place where you can speak over yourself death. It will never get better. I will always be like this. Listen, I, I deal with people. I work with people uh, of different different backgrounds where I work. I work for an IT company. Where I work, I deal with people who are struggling with things. But, but here's what I try and encourage people who don't even know about Jesus, who may be struggling with depression or struggling with an addiction. There's a difference with struggling with something and identifying with it. You may be struggling with depression, but you are not depression. You may be struggling with an addiction, but don't ever let yourself say to yourself, I am an addict. The devil's greatest objective is to control what comes out of your mouth because he knows if he can just get you to speak death over your life that you'll keep you in the same spot you've always been in. But it doesn't matter how long that family member's been gone away from God. It doesn't matter how many years you've been dealing with what you've been dealing with. You've got to get to a place and I've got to get to a place that says, you know what, I may not see it yet, but I'm still going to speak life. I'm still going to speak faith. I'm still going to speak belief. I'm still going to speak that, you know what, I may not see it yet but I believe what God says I believe his report over anything else but the story says that the man says you're interfering with us Jesus of Nazareth you're, 
You're interfering with our activities. Now, there's not one moment in the text where Jesus, if you read the story, said anything to the man to get this reaction. All he was doing was preaching the word. But the word began to hit the spiritual realm and affect this man and his demons. But the Bible says this in verse 25, that Jesus, he looks at the man and he says, be quiet. Yes, that's the only time it's okay to say that in church tonight. He says, be quiet. And come out of the man, he ordered. Verse 26, the Bible says that while this happens, Here's what's so amazing about the text. And here's what I've come to preach about tonight that's so interesting to me. Jesus says this immediate command. But the Bible says that when he says it, the evil spirit screams. And he throws the man into a convulsion. Now, it's crazy to me because Jesus gives an order. But immediately in the text, if you see it right here, the situation doesn't immediately in that second get better. In fact, it's like the enemy reacts more aggressively and begins to scream and begin to manifest himself in a way he never manifested before. It is important tonight to remember because we're going to pray in this altar call over some circumstances. And I've just come in here believing that God's going to do some things in our minds in this place. Some of us is going to be in your body. Some of us is going to be for your family. Some of us is going to be for our relatives. Some of us is going to be for our friends. Some of us is going to be for your emotions that have been bound for a long time. I don't know. Some of us is going to be an addiction, maybe a secret addiction that no one knows about. But I, I, I believe when I just came in here tonight, I, I just believe that there's going to be a breaking that God's going to do. He's going to break some shackles in this house tonight. I don't care how long you've been bound for. It doesn't matter to God. He's no respecter of persons. If you show up with the willingness, it doesn't matter how long the circumstance, how long they've been sick, how long they've been hurt. Can I tell you, God is no respecter of time. Time doesn't withhold him. Time does not control him. When he speaks the word, Deliverance shows up. But in this text, and for someone here tonight to remember that sometimes, 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 things don't immediately look like what was said. You would think after he would speak it, the man would be quiet. But he didn't be quiet, he got louder. It seems like it contradicts what he ordered in verse 25. But can I tell you tonight that you can never allow time. Let's stand today. Music can come back. We're about to pray. It's all to call tonight. You can never. You can never allow time to affect what his word has already decreed and declared. It looked like it got worse. But when Jesus said, be quiet, it didn't matter how louder the enemy made it look like or how worse it looked like. 
meaning you come here tonight, we're going to pray in faith. But you go home and maybe even get a report that looks worse than before you got here. You hear me tonight? Don't let the circumstance define the word. Let the word define the circumstance. You may not see it yet, but you hear me tonight that if God says deliverance is in the house, I'm here to tell you tonight, it doesn't matter. if you don't, It doesn't immediately change. You just hold on for what God said because God is not a man that he should lie. God does not fail. Whatever he says, he will make sure it comes to pass. If he said, by his stripes, you are healed. It doesn't matter what paper you're staring in front of you from the doctor. If he said it, it will come. If he says that he'll save you and your household. doesn't matter how long it's been that they've been gone. Huh. Can I tell you, you hold on to what he said and watch deliverance come just as he said. If you're stumbling in your faith up and down, up and down, if he says that he that began the good work in you He'll complete it. It doesn't matter if you don't feel like you're progressing. Can I tell you? If he started it, he'll finish it. I have been privileged to see God impact people's lives, my community. Wherever I am, I made up my mind that I was going to be available for God to speak into people's lives. I, I've been in meetings and times with, at work, different people over Zoom or even in person where I've been able to pray. People were dealing with depression and anxiety. and We, we stopped talking work stuff. We started praying and the presence of God would hit that room because I'm just so crazy to believe that deliverance when God's in the room anything can take place but sometimes if I'm just honest I think sometimes when you've been around it long enough and it's just another Sunday night service it's another Wednesday night and it's another Friday night youth night, it's another Sunday morning and it's, another, it's just another prayer night meeting. It's just another prayer meeting. And it's just another sermon. And it's just another song. And it's just another, we just get through the song. We just get through the stuff. We just do it. Sometimes, I'll, I'll speak to myself, it can just go through it as like some type of ritual. And you, 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 miss, you miss the reality that God's in the house. That the miracle worker is still here. I never want to get to a place where this just becomes status quo to me. That Jesus is here. And that means that anything is possible. Let's close our eyes tonight for a few moments here. I'm about to open up this altar. But before we do, 
let's just begin to repent together across this house tonight on this Sunday night. Let's just begin to repent, just a place of repentance, asking God to forgive us for anything, to just decrease our humanity for a moment, and let's just unlock the miraculous that's about to take place. Can we pray together? Can we pray together, God, on this Sunday night service, I'm asking you to forgive me for anything in my life that doesn't represent you, God. God, search my heart. God, search my heart for anything, God, that doesn't resemble your image. God, have mercy on me. Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me anew. God, if I've treated this as just another service, God, forgive me with that perspective. Help me to see things the way you see them. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to open up this altar. If you're in this place tonight and you need a miracle, maybe it's a physical healing, I want you to come to the front of this church. Maybe it's a family member that needs a healing. If you believe, I want you to come. You need a miracle. We're going to pray together in this place. You you need deliverance. You need something to happen. You, you need something. You need heaven to touch earth. And, and you need God to step in and and you need it. I want you to come. We're going to step up in faith. I don't care what it is. Maybe it's a mental illness you're struggling with. I, I believe in counseling and therapy. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But I also believe in the healing touch of a master sometimes. That he can interfere and deliver. And he can make things brand new. Uh, we're going to pray together in this altar on this Sunday night. We're going to believe God that he can do what he says he can do. Let's lift up our hands together. Let's lift up our hands together. I'm just going to pray a prayer of faith on this Sunday night. I don't know what this faith is for you. I don't know what this means for your family. I don't know what this means into your heart. I don't know, I don't know, but I'm just going to believe God if it's cancer, if it's a heart condition, if it's depression, if it's anxiety, if it's suicidal thoughts, if it's a backslider in your bed. I don't know what this means to you, but I'm going to believe with you. Let's lift up our hands and pray. Lord, by the authority of your word and the power of your name, God, I thank you for this great church. God, I thank you for those who've come in here tonight dealing with things that they need healings and miracles. God, I curse cancers and tumors. I curse heart conditions, diabetes, strokes. God, I curse depression and anxiety and suicidal ideations. God, I rebuke addictions to drugs and alcohol and pornography. God, let, yeah, yeah, come on. Let's lift up our voices together. If you believe it, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every shackle broken in the name of Jesus. We can begin to sing. The choir can sing. But come on, I want us to lift up our voices. You begin to claim your healing. You begin to claim your deliverance. No more bound. No more chain.
Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.